Hey, welcome to Pagosa Adventures. I have a special guest, Rich Luer, who is the publisher of Airstream Life Magazine, the owner of the new Air Gear store. You just changed the name from Airstream Life store to Air Gear, so we'll hear a little bit about that here in a moment. But Rich is obviously a, a very accomplished Airstreamer. And being new to Airstream, I definitely am learning the ropes. We come from, well, we still have our Leisure Travel Van, which is a Sprinter-based motorhome, which is pretty easy to, to drive around. And, you know, with my F-350 and my 27 Globetrotter, I'm now about 52 feet. So it's a little different than the Leisure Travel Van. But welcome, Rich. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, I'm always happy to help out a new Airstreamer. I get this kind of inquiry all the time for people. So uh, anything you want to know, go ahead and ask. Well, cool. So, yeah. So um, the the main thing, I mean, if, as soon as I got my Airstream, I started getting these in the mail. So mm-hmm. Airstream Life Magazine, which is a very well done publication. So how did you get how did you get started in the magazine, first of all? Uh, that's sort of a long story, but the, the short version of it is, is that I was ending a career in about 2003 and I was looking for something new to do. And I had just bought my first Airstream, a 1968 Airstream Globetrotter. Uh, and it needed work as you know, you'd expect from a 68. And, um, I didn't know anything. And when I got into the world, I was about 40 years old and, um, there didn't seem to be a lot of people my age in the Airstream community. And, uh, there was a lot of misinformation. And I finally, after a few months thought, well, I can start a magazine. Why not? You know, all about Airstreams because it became my passion. So I launched the magazine in uh, summer of 2004. And uh, I thought it would just be a hobby business for a little while, but it kind of took off and took over my life. And here it is um, 18 years later, still still publishing the same magazine. Wow. Well, I mean, it's a very well done uh, magazine. And I'm assuming Airstream gave me the subscription. Is that how it happened? Because it just started showing up. Yeah, um, every new purchaser of an Airstream does get a one-year subscription to Airstream Life, courtesy of Airstream. So it's a nice perk that they've been doing for quite a few years now. So, yeah. yeah, well, it's very well done. So, uh, okay, so I want to get into some Airstream 101. Now, anybody who is interested in Airstreams or just got an Airstream needs to know these are a little bit different than your average travel trailer. Right. And so obviously my, I have not had it, had one happen yet, but I have heard that rivets will pop out on the inside. Uh, that's such an overblown concern. Um, there are two types of rivets used in an airstream. The airstream rivets on the outside are bucked rivets. Those are the same kind of use in bridges and submarines and all kinds of heavy duty things. And those never fail. Basically, uh, the interior rivets are your standard sort of, uh, what they call a blind rivet or a pop rivet. And those are very lightweight rivets. They're not particularly structurally important. Once in a while, traveling down the road, one of those rivets will break loose. Um, it's not a big deal. Uh, the owner can put the rivet back in if it bothers them. It just leaves a little hole. It doesn't cause any problem at all. But it's kind of like losing a hair off your head. You know, it's not mm-hmm. a big deal. You got thousands more. Um, but if you want to put the rivet back, um, one of the things that we sell as air gear is a rivet tool. Um, and a set of rivets and a set of drill bits in case you need those and instructions so that new owners can be less freaked out about things like that because that, that gets a lot of attention in the online boards. Oh my God, rivets are mm-hmm. popping out all over the place. It's yeah. really not an issue. Um, and people will tend to ascribe all kinds of uh, horrible reasons behind it. You know, oh, my tires are overinflated or, you know, I, I hit a curb or whatever. And those things are really not the problem. But um, rivets do break from time to time and it's, it's a 30 second job to replace one. Well, cool. Well, like you, you mentioned you have the air gear store. And, um, so, you know, 
one of the things that I did as I jumped on and I bought what I thought were was going to be essential from what I had seen, which is your tire changing kit, things like that. Now, if you're mm-hmm. interested in getting all that, I'll put a link uh, down in the description below as well so that you can jump over the Air Gear store. You can get it on our uh, website because of supply.co as well. Right here. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I check my, I check my lug nuts, you know, Every trip I go, um, because you see that on the forums, you see that on Airstream Addicts on Facebook, and you see where, you know, lugs were not tightened. So how long should I expect to have to check my lug nuts torque, you know, before I'm like, before they're my car and I just don't think about them anymore? Uh, Well, two parts to that. You never don't think about them anymore forever, but... I will tell you that again, all the, there's a lot of misinformation on the internet, which is why I wrote a book called Airstream Life's Nearly Complete Guide to Airstream Maintenance, uh, which I'm working on the second volume, second edition of now, um, to try to get a lot of these myths crushed because they're just crazy. They get people all worked up about things that aren't real problems because somebody had a problem and they think, oh, that's what caused it. Um, mm-hmm. The lug nuts, once they're properly tightened, they don't loosen back up again. The problem people have is that they take the tire off or their service done on it and the lug nuts are tightened once or twice. They need to be tightened at least three times over the course of the first hundred miles of towing. And then after that, they should be fully seated and they won't loosen up again under normal circumstances. Now, if you want to check them, it doesn't do any harm as long as you're using a torque wrench to do it, Mm -hmm. uh, which is included in the tire changing kit, by the way, because that's a really important piece of equipment. But the, the recommendation from Airstream is check those lug nuts at 25, 50, and 100 miles, or 25, 50, 75. It's not exact science here, but basically roll down the road a little ways, check the lug nuts. You're going to find that they've all gotten a little bit loose as the wheel has seated. And then you go another 50 miles or so, and you check them again, and they'll move just a little bit more. And then by the th- third time you check them, they're not going to move anymore. They're fully tightened. It takes a while for that, um, that wheel to seat properly against the drum. And that's what you're doing there is just giving it time to seat and getting those lug nuts tightened. Once you do that, you really don't have to check them on every trip. It's a, it's a nice to do sort of thing, but I've gone years and years. Uh, as long as you don't take that wheel off, you don't really have to worry about it. Okay. So, so if you change a tire, you definitely want to check your lug nuts three times within the first 200 miles, basically. Uh, first, first hundred miles. Yeah. First hundred miles. Okay, so yeah, I did not do that, so I'm glad my wheel didn't fall. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, <laughs> and I've <had> that happen. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I do check them, and I've never all of them are torqued. I think it's like 110 pounds, is that something like that? So, 110 um, foot pounds so, is correct. Yes. Yeah. So I've definitely checked that um, every time, and 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 they have been been fine. All right. So another thing that airstreams that that is so different from any other travel trailer is how low they are to the ground. Now, then I see some people are putting lifts on them, two-inch lifts, three-inch lifts. I've been considering that. I've not had a problem, you know, yet. I'm sure there's going to be a fueling station that I pop out of, and I'm going to hit that back bumper at some point. But do you recommend doing a lift? Uh, Not for most people, no. Now, a longer trailer, like a 27- to 33-foot trailer, um, once in a while, you will run into that gas station that's got the big uh, sort of rise up at the, at the, at the curb, um, and you might hear a scrape from the rear end. If you go around to the back of your Airstream by the rear bumper, you're going to see uh, two pieces of metal that come down. Those are scrapers. Those are designed mm-hmm. to be sort of sacrificial. They're going to hit the ground first, so that they, they just bend. They kind of pretzel. 
Um, I had a 30 footer for many years that I towed all over the country. And uh, I did manage to pretzel that those scrapers three or four times. And after I think the third time, I finally said, I'm just not going to straighten these things anymore. They are what they are. I'm just going to leave them bent. Mm. It didn't do any harm. But to answer your question, uh, the lift is not required for most people. Most people, especially if you have a 25 foot or less trailer, you're you're not going to scrape that off, and it's not going to damage your airstream. Yes, uh, the longer the the longer the trailer, the more you would be more, more likely, more to likely you are because you've got more yeah. overhang from the rear wheel all the way to the bumper. So the longer mm -hmm. that is, the more likely you are to scrape. If you're the kind of person who likes to go off road or rough road uh, driving, like maybe you like to boondock out in the desert on BLM land, um, then a lift might make more sense for you. Uh, just to be able to have a couple inches more clearance. Um, I will tell you, I took my 30 footer in all kinds of conditions all over the country um, and never had any damage other than scraping that those rear scrapers. Um, so it's a very personal thing. I wouldn't, you know, it, it depends on how you use the trailer. Uh, I will tell you though, raising the trailer does have a small price because you're now increasing the aerodynamic profile and you're probably going to ding your fuel economy a little bit by making it taller. Mm -hmm. So there's a trade-off there. It's not a it's not totally free of consequence. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've seen a lot of people doing it. Um, uh, I'd considered it. So, you know, so far the way we, the way that we use our trailer, I, I don't I have a 27 footer. So I'm, you know, right there at the longer end of Airstream. So, uh, may consider doing that sometime. All right. So you just changed the name from Airstream life store, which everybody would probably know to mm -hmm. the air gear store. What was the catalyst for that? Well, there were a lot of reasons for that. The, the store started as a tiny little spin-off of the magazine. Airstream Life magazine was first. And then people started saying, well, I want to buy an Airstream Life hat. I want to buy an Airstream Life t-shirt. I want to, you know, I want to buy some vacuums. So I created this little online store to take care of that. And over the years, the store just grew and grew and grew as I kept coming up with ideas of things I should probably offer to Airstreamers. And um, in the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, the store has just exploded. Um, we're, mm -hmm. we're a considerably larger business than the magazine these days. And uh, it was time to give it its own idea. It really wasn't Airstream Life Magazine's sideline store anymore. It really is its own thing. And um, also, you know, we've been sort of lucky to be able to use the name Airstream in the name of the magazine, Airstream Life. I've had a longstanding understanding with Airstream about that. And, and we've worked together for, you know, 18 years we worked together. Um, but it was sort of an unexpected extension for me to have this big online store that also used the name Airstream. And out of uh, respect for Airstream, we thought it was the right thing to do to change the name to something that didn't use their trademark. Uh, so mm -hmm. there were multiple reasons for it. It was time. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think it's good, good branding and everything. So, and did the website change any, or is it the same web? Is it the same experience on the online? It is basically the same experience. We've rebranded, changed the colors. We've introduced some new products. We're starting to rebrand certain things that said Airstream Life on them. They'll now say Air Gear on them. But basically, it's the same experience. We're, we do have a lot of exciting plans for new products for 2023, though. So I'm looking forward well, to that. That's good. Yeah. So uh, a few things that I initially did because, you know, having a, you know, I was an RV year before. This is my first Airstream, my first towable. Uh, and the one thing that is the probably the biggest danger to your airstream is a tire blowout. Mm. So, so the first thing I did was to get a, a tire pressure monitoring system that I can monitor. Um, and it's so important to know what your tires are doing. 
and yeah. so you guys obviously sell those. Um, I have the mm-hmm. TST brand, which is the one that you uh, recommend, correct? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. We've tried a, a number of other brands and uh, there's issues, reliability and, and so on quality. So we, we only sell TST. It's the only one I would recommend to anybody. Yeah, well, I, I will say if you have an air, or if you have any RV, uh, I think a tire pressuring monitoring system is is essential. Uh, and then, if, especially agree. if you have a yeah, if you have a double axle like we do, on I think twenty five and above have double axles, twenty five footers, mm-hmm. um, uh, or twenty. Well, some twenty three footers do. Yeah. Okay, so if you have a double axle uh, and you have a tire blowout, you may not even know it, uh, and that that tire is just going to beat the bottom side of your airstream. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's close. I mean, you could be pulling electrical wires out, hitting tanks. Oh. And so, you know, it's yeah. so important to know about about that. Um, and then mm-hmm. now I did not get the flow through. I've, I just got the caps. Do you recommend That's what flow you should? No, 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 no. You got the right thing. Um, the flow through sensors are for basically for motorhomes. When motorhomes, they've got these big dualies. It's hard to get to the the. the uh, tire stems to put air in or check the air. Uh, a flow-through sensor makes it a lot easier for those folks. Um, but if you don't need flow-throughs for a motorhome, we don't recommend them. They're heavier. Um, they're slightly uh, more prone to possible failure, although it's very unlikely. Um, but for a trailer, we recommend what's called the cap sensor, which is not the flow-through. And we that's 99% of what we sell is cap sensors. Um, the cap sensors, you don't have to change the, the valve stems. You just screw them on and you're good to go and they won't cause any problems. So you got the right thing. Good deal. And I did not put the locks on mine either. Um, do you recommend putting the locks on? No. I, yeah. it's, it's more of a theoretical concern that somebody would steal your sensors, but I've never heard of it happening. And I certainly yeah, I can't imagine be- somebody would. I can't imagine somebody would be seeing that and saying, I'll take those, those <laughs> yeah, big tires. that sensor. Yes, it's got to be another yeah. TST owner for one thing, you know, and then yeah. he's going to, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe, Brandon, I'll be camping the same campground as you, and I want one for my spare tire, so I'll steal one of yours. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you know? Yeah, gonna... yeah, for sure. So. Now, say say you somebody did. Can you buy just the sensors? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We have spare sensors all the time. Quite often, somebody will come to us for a four-sensor system for their trailer, and then they'll realize, oh, I need a fifth one for the spare tire which I yeah. think is a really good idea, by the way, because nobody ever checks the spare tire. You know, it's sitting right. right underneath the front of the Airstream where you can't get at it. You're going to crawl on the ground to get it. If you screw a sensor on there, you always know uh, what's up going on with the spare. So I, I think that's a wise idea. And you can get okay. Yeah, well, you just taught me something I need to do because I did not put one on my spare tire. So I, you go. I, I definitely need to do that. Now, my truck has a uh, already has a built-in TPMS for its own use. But if you don't have, so if you have an older truck that didn't come with TPMS or some of the, um, I think F450s don't have TPMS on them. I can't imagine pulling an Airstream with a, uh, with a F450, but you might. Uh, they, you can make, uh, put those on your truck as well and then have mm-hmm. your entire thing yeah. on your TFP. Yeah. Yeah. You can All program right. the monitor. It's, it's made for the trucking industry so it can take any huge number of sensors and you can program truck and trailer and spare and spare mm-hmm. on the truck and as many as you want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a good idea. If you All right. So I've, had, so I've had my eye on a couple of things at the air gear store. Uh, but one thing I really want, I don't think I'm going to be able to get cause I'm six foot two. And that is a teak format for my shower. Cause I am already kind of hunched over in there. So how, yeah. how much height does that add? 
it adds about three quarters of an inch to an inch, uh, depending on the, the model. The, yeah, what I hear from guys who are six two and above is they generally don't don't feel comfortable adding that height in there. That's a pretty pretty common issue, unfortunately. Nothing we can do about it. Uh, yeah. So sorry about that, Brandon. That's one of our most well, popular hey, products. You know, hey, but at least I'll be able to you know reach up in the up in the top top cabinet. And that's that's a plus. <laughs> there you so go. My wife can't do that. I, yeah, for Janet, who's five foot four, so I'm always having to get stuff out of the. Out of, our glob trotter has that little dip in there, so I have to reach up in there for her sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of of, of the spare tire, um, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, all those things. I have not had to 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 um, do that yet. But is it is it hard to get that spare tire off? Can um, Say, could uh, something happen where Janet had to do it? Is it pretty simple? Or because I know it's something you know there. Yeah, if you know the technique, anyone can do it. Even a, a relatively petite person without a lot of upper arm strength can do it. Uh, we have a video on YouTube on the Air Gear channel, which is uh, shows exactly the process of changing a tire. And I did it with a, a woman who's five foot four and. Uh, um, she did the whole thing under my instructions, so you can see her doing it. And she'd never done it before. The key is, I'll just give you the, the short hint, is that don't try to reach under there and pull that 50-pound tire out of the tire carrier. You won't be able to do it, and you'll get all muddy in the process. Instead, use your feet. Find which way the tire slides out. It only slides out one way. All right, it slides out towards the, uh, I think it's towards the curbside. And you get on the opposite side, sit on your butt, and use your feet to shove that tire out of the carrier. It's much, much easier. And then when it comes around to putting it, mounting the, the spare, um, there's a trick there where you can use your toes. You sit on the ground and kind of use your toes to lift it up while you use your arms to steer it. It's best if you watch the video. But if you watch the video, you'll see anyone can do it. It's, well, okay. almost anyone can do it. So it All right. Is, I'll, it is. I'll link that video down below as well. So uh, now then, uh Jacking up a airstream can have some brutal consequences if you don't do it correct. Now then, I don't carry a jack with me for that purpose because thinking since I have uh, dual axles, can't I just ramp up one uh, one of the the tires, the the non flat tire, and use that yes. as my jack? Absolutely, okay. that's the recommended technique. You. There's no reason to, to have a jack if you have a double axle airstream and a good stack of leveling blocks. So you can make a nice high mountain if you need to. Uh, so just have plenty of leveling blocks. The only people who need a jack are the single axle folks. Uh, basically, your uh, 20, 20, 19, 16 foot airstreams, single axles, um, they're going to need a bottle jack. Uh, and they need a good one that goes uh, has a nice, um, you know, enough capacity probably 6,000 pounds. You've got some spare capacity in there and a lot of reach in the bottle jack so it can really lift the Airstream up. Uh, and then for those people, it's important to know the jack point in the Airstream because if you jack it on the wrong point, you can do some serious damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all explained in the owner's manual, exactly where to put the jack and how to use it. All right. So I just put in, and I didn't see anything on the, on the Air Gear store about this, so I bought them on Amazon because I'm a little spoiled in my leisure travel van is I have a I have a propane monitor inside my my RV so I can just mm-hmm. hit a button I can see exactly how much propane I have well I am learning that with my dual propane tanks 
Um, I have no idea how much is in there. So I bought on Amazon. I bought the Mopaki, I think that's the brand. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. Yeah. And it, and it, and so it is, so it magnetically attaches underneath the, the propane and uses like a, 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 a ultrasonic or something. And then that sends that information to your phone. So what's your recommendation for finding out how much propane we have? Well, I haven't tested that particular device yet. A couple of people have recommended it to me. Um, and I think I'm a little bit old school in this respect because I traveled in my airstream full time for three years and they heavily traveled for many years after that. So I just got used to kind of having a sense of how much propane I had. And one way I would do it is I, uh, you know, I would knock on the tank with my knuckles or if the tank was unhooked, I'd give it a lift. I could tell just by the weight how full it was. But I recognize that's not for everybody. Uh, if this solution works for you, then that's great. Uh, it's like I said, it's not something I've evaluated yet, so I don't know about its accuracy or its reliability, but it sounds like it might be a, a good technique. There's a, there's other methods for estimating how much gas is in there. You can pour water, hot water, hot water. I think it is. You pour it over the tank and you can see a line from the, cold the condensation line. The yeah, I've never tried that. Um, it seems kind of like a pain in the neck <laughs> to do that. Just know how much propane. Yeah. What I really, honestly, what I do is I don't worry about it. What I do, you've got two tanks and you've got an automatic switchover valve. If you use the switchover valve correctly, when one tank runs low, it's going to automatically switch over to the other tank and the flag is going to go red. So, you know, one of the tanks is empty. So all I ever did was look for the red flag and go fill the tank that was empty. So I always had one tank full and one tank partially full. And that worked for me. Just you just alternating tanks all the time, you know. So I don't really feel the need to know how much propane I have. I just want to know that at least one of the tanks is full and I can take it from there. Uh, well, don't forget, that's, those tanks last a long time, long, long time. If you're running your refrigerator, those tanks can run a gas refrigerator. Well, New York don't have gas refrigerators, but if you did, it would run it for at least a month just by itself. It's oh, only okay. in the period in the in the winter when you're running the gas furnace a lot. If it's like close to freezing and you're running that furnace at 68 degrees all night long, yeah, you're mm-hmm. going to run out of gas in, in five to seven days. So that's yeah. the only time that it really becomes an issue. Okay, that, then now let's talk about hot water heater speaking, continuing on the whole propane thing. Um, in my leader travel van, I have a Truma a Truma system that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It never fails. It's got a. It's got an instant hot water, not one that you have to wait on. Um, in in our 2022 Globe Trotter, I, I, is it a demand? I don't. I'm not sure which 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 one it is, but I can tell you it is. I, I need some tips on how to get hot water without filling up my gray tank because it seems like I have to run that thing for 30 seconds minimally. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so now, do you, are there any, any anything you can do? Well, first of all, in your trailer, do you have a tank or tankless water heater? It's tankless. Okay, it's tankless. Um, short answer is no. I don't know anything you can do. It just takes what it takes, that particular mm-hmm. one. The only thing that you can do, and if you have a tank type here, this is actually the same thing, is uh, take a saucepan and... Uh, fill that saucepan with the cold water from the shower head until it turns warm. And then you can at least use it for cooking. That's, that's what I've heard people do when they're okay. Cooking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's a good why, idea. Yeah. yeah. What we'll do if we're getting, you know, we'll wash dishes in a bucket in, in the sink, you know, and then um, mm-hmm. I, I do little things like that. But that is the one thing I've, uh, you know, I love the Airstream by the way. I mean, it's, it's absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, but yes, the, the hot water heater, when you've had, 
better is, is not not necessarily not necessarily mm-hmm. fun. Um, all right, so there are several different models of of Airstream. I have a Globetrotter. Um, you know, there's uh, the, the classic, which is the top of the line. Um, and then probably Bambi is the, um, the more entry level. Uh, Bambi. Yeah. used to be sport. Now it's Bambi. That's sort of the more stripped down versions of the, of the shorter trailers. Yeah. Then they, they, uh, they have the, the same trailer floor plans, more or less it called Caravel. So the same lengths, but they're more upfitted. Um, then the middle of the line is the flying cloud, um, and the international, um, is sort of upper end globetrotter sits right up there at the top of those. And then classic is the big kahuna with all the bells and whistles. So, okay. So, uh, so if somebody is going, if somebody's going entry level airstream, so entry level airstream price wise is like top end other towable mm. <laughs> price wise. Right? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Wally so Miami had a famous thing. He said, uh, um, Talk is cheap. Airstreams are expensive. Yeah, yeah. And that was true. Yeah. That was true in 1940. <laughs> right, right. And so, so obviously, people are buying airstreams by the droves. So, somebody getting into somebody paying more for an airstream, what more are they actually getting? I mean, I, I kind of know. I, I looked. We were going to do a fifth wheel prior to this. Um, actually, walked into an airstream. I said, no, I don't want to deal with a fifth wheel. This is fantastic. But tell me why somebody wants to, or why are we guys paying more for an Airstream? Well, there's two sides of that coin. I mean, there's a logical reason, and then there's an emotional reason. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the logical reason you can talk all day along with that benefits of Airstream. Riveted aluminum construction, very lightweight. You have a better, broader range of tow vehicles. You get better fuel economy. Uh, the, the, the riveted body basically lasts forever as long as you don't get in an accident. Um, you know, higher upfit of the interior appliances, better cabinetry, better upholstery, better toilet, sink, shower, whatever. You can get to all that stuff and you can, but that's the, that's sort of the bean counter view of an Airstream. At the end of the day, an Airstream costs about twice as much per foot of length as, than anything else on the market. The emotional side of it is what really gets us to buy Airstreams. Mm-hmm. We look at them yeah. and they look great. They look cool. You want one. They're designed forward. You know, it's got this classic aerodynamic aluminum construction, but yet it still looks modern and it still looks like nothing else on the market. Uh, you know, so you look at that and you go, wow, that's for me. I, I don't want the same white box as everybody else. You know, it mm-hmm. just doesn't speak to me emotionally. This thing does. This is, this looks cool. And honestly, you know, you can't overplay the cool factor. I mean, the reality is, is that a lot of us are just like, I wouldn't be seen dead in that thing, but I would <laughs> love to be seen in that thing. So, yeah. you know, to be honest with us, I think that's what drives a lot of us. Yeah. I mean, I, it doesn't matter what age somebody is when, when we have our Airstream out here in the parking lot, I mean, they're going up and looking at it, you know, and, and again, yeah, if, if we just had a, a travel trailer, white box travel trailer, I'd think, why is that thing here? But with the Airstream <laughs> out there, it's like it, it draws, it draws attention. And yeah, you're, you're, you're no longer one of the crowd, you know, I yeah. mean, Airstreams are literally about 1% of all the RVs sold in the United States mm-hmm. North America. Uh, 1%. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're sort of a one percenter, but we're proud of it because they are beautiful, um, uh, pieces of equipment that are going to last four decades. You can literally hand your Airstream down to your grandchildren and they can keep it on the road 
for you know 50 60 70 years nobody even knows mm-hmm. there's there's airstreams on the road that were built in the 1930s uh, that's amazing know, still traveling it's just amazing so you know there's that longevity of it knowing that you really bought an heirloom quality product mm-hmm and I did notice, you know, so with my leisure travel van, that's a very tight knit group of people, much like a Harley Davidson group, meaning super proud of their brand. And I found that that does translate over to airstreams going down the road, the old the light flash coming at you. Um, yep. And so I had to figure that out first. Thought there was a cop up ahead or something. But then <laughs> after every airstream was doing it, I figured, okay, that's that's the signal. That's the hello. That's the signal. Just uh, hit the high beams. Yep. <laughs> yeah, hit the high beams, and that's the signal. And so, and that's one thing I love, not just about leisure travel vans, but also with airstream, is you are part of a a group of like minded folks. Somebody who is in a smaller niche in a very large. Uh, pool of uh, of RVers, um, mm-hmm. and we I, every time I park next to an Airstream, which has happened several times at an RV park, uh, it's immediately they just come up and say hello. Uh, whereas yeah. when I'm parked next to anybody else, you know, they're like, "Why are you looking?" Just- at me? Or something. So, yeah, I absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a camaraderie. Yeah, this, it is a tight knit group. Yeah. I mean, it seems like when I got into airstreaming, you know, back in 03, um, it seemed like everybody knew everybody else. It was a very mm-hmm. small community. You know, you go to a rally and I would see a dozen, two dozen people that I'd seen before. And they would be like, like, if I hadn't seen them in two years, you know, they'd still come up to me. It was like we had just seen each other last week. You know, they yeah. pick up right where we left off. And there was this friendliness and acceptance in the community. And I think, by the way, um, that translates to a lot of things. There's a lot of people who are sort of on the, um, you know, they're they're um, culturally different or, or uh, you know, they're from some sort of group of a specialty interest. It can be anything from banjo playing to LBGTQ. You know, it can be and it doesn't matter. They realize that in the Airstream community, they're accepted and their people are interested in them and want to learn more about what what do you do oh where do you go um so i get a lot of that in the airstream community people are always interested in learning about the other people yeah and i i think it's fantastic now um i'm not going to keep it too terribly much longer but please explain to me the big red letters on the front of airstreams (laughs) the big red numbers numbers. big red numbers they actually call them BRN, big red numbers. Um, okay, it's the uh, that's the the club um, seri- club number. So if you're a member of the Airstream Club International, which used to be called the Wally Byam Caravan Club International, uh, you get assigned a number, and uh, if you want, you can put that number on the front dome of the Airstream, the big red numbers. I mean, they're about this tall, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's another recognition thing. It's optional. You know, I mean, I, I'm a member of the club. I don't have my red numbers on the dome, which is uh there's a there's a little bit of shaming that goes on around that but 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 i didn't put them on my on air airstream because i like to travel anonymously most of the time uh but yeah. uh yeah a lot of people are very proud to have their big red numbers out front and i think it's cool and if you have a guide a membership guide in your truck then after you go down the highway and you see a pair of big red numbers go the other way you can look it up and say oh that was so and so so it's kind of yeah well i I'm, i mean i knew it was had to do something with there's some serious airstreamers because you, you see them a lot. Uh, and so when I see the big red numbers, I'm like, okay, that, that, that's a serious airstreamer. Not, you know, uh, not a weekend well, warrior maybe, for sure. 
Well, it is, and it's a it's a club member. And by the way, I would mm-hmm. recommend you try out the club. Um, clubs are sort of considered by many people to be passe in this age, but they still serve a really good purpose. The the Airstream Club International has rallies all over the country, literally hundreds and hundreds of them every year. There's local units in every part of the country, uh, and Canada, and even parts of Europe. Uh, they um, it's a great way to meet other Airstreamers. It's a great way to get other knowledge. It's a great way to get travel suggestions. Even if you only join for one year, try it out and say, okay, I'm not a club person. I don't really, I didn't go to the rallies. Give it a shot. It's worth it. I think it's about, I don't know what it is these days, maybe 80 bucks a year or something like that to join the club. Yeah. Well worth it. Okay. Well, I will definitely take that. Now, if somebody wants to, if they don't have an Airstream yet and they want to get, because this is some great articles, some beautiful photography, um, and the, this cover is like a, a, a watercolor. It's beautiful. How how does somebody grab this? Just go to airstreamlife.com, I would imagine? Yeah, that's right. Airstreamlife.com. That's the magazine site. You can subscribe online. We have a digital edition and we have a print edition. You can get, you can get either. Uh, and um, it's quarterly, four, four times a year. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's. Uh, I, I, I hope people will check it out. If you're thinking about getting an Airstream, it mm-hmm. makes some sense to subscribe to Airstream Life maybe in the year or two before you get your Airstream, just to get a little sense of things. You'll you'll learn things about it. Uh, yeah. So I, I appreciate you mentioning that. I do. I yeah, do absolutely. I, I, I love it. And then as far as outfitting the Airstream, I'll put a link to all of that down below. I got a ton of stuff, uh, everything from uh, storage bags to, to the water hose, which I love that water hose, that, that coiled up water hose. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the tire changing kit. Um, and then, of course, the, 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 the TST system, the tire pressure. Um, I've, I'll put a link to all that, plus on Pagosa Supply Co. Um, I, on our website. I basically have Airstream Essentials. One-stop shop, exactly what you need. So I appreciate you making these products and uh, and having them and also being a great resource. So Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's been my life for, for nearly two decades now. And... Um, I, you know, I still love it. So uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. I feel like I, I'm very privileged to, to be in this role to be able to help out other airstreamers and talk oh, that's to awesome. all the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Rich. Well, I appreciate you uh, talking with us and uh, maybe see you out there on the road. I hope we will. I'm sure we will. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Brandon. For appreciate sure. it. Okay. Thanks a million. <laughs>